This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. I wanted to mention that I do get emails from time to time and specific requests to, to cover basically certain drugs. And um, sometimes a lot of the requests, I've already covered that medication. So uh, if you're looking for a specific drug, a specific class, I've covered a lot of them already in the, uh, I believe I'm on year four now. Uh, so go to reallifepharmacology.com, hit the podcast button, and there is a search chat tab. So if you're looking for bupropion or SSRIs or whatever drug you want to try to uh, potentially study, go take a look at that because I've definitely covered a lot of drugs already and many of them uh, might have been covered already and it's a good way to good way to easily find them and search them uh, is just to go to reallifepharmacology.com, uh, hit the podcast tab and then find the search tab uh, and you should be able to track that down. Uh, with that said, as always, go to reallifepharmacology.com also to get your free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. Great study guide, great review, whether you're taking pharmacology classes or board exams or out in practice and just need a little refresher. So um, go do both of those things at reallifepharmacology.com. All right, the drug of the day today is clonazepam. Brand name of this medication is clonopin. Uh, mechanistically, how does this drug work and what does it do? So from a mechanism of action standpoint, it enhances the action of GABA. And if you remember from physiology, GABA is an inhibitory type neurotransmitter in the central nervous system. So think of that as basically slowing you down, causing uh, sedation, that type of thing. And that should give you a sense of what the medication can be used for. So anxiety, I've seen it used for insomnia, um, agitated states, certainly, uh, and also seizure prevention. Now, I will say with clonazepam specifically, uh, it's really only given orally. So for an acute seizure, we're not going to use clonazepam. We're typically going to use an injectable benzodiazepine such as uh, lorazepam, for example, there. Or potentially there is uh, rectal diazepam as well. Um, but again, you're not going to use clonazepam because it only comes orally uh, for an acute seizure. That would not be appropriate. Uh, dosage forms, as I mentioned, there's, there's oral and there's also oral disintegrating tablets uh, most common dosages I've seen, 0.25 up to 2 milligrams uh, in geriatric patients. Uh, this medication is on the beers list, so it's potentially inappropriate to use in elderly patients. So if we're going to use it, uh, we're definitely going to want to start low and, and go slow in most situations. So you may even see starting doses down around 0.125 milligrams, maybe 0.25 milligrams, 
Um, but again, we're going to use it a lot more cautiously with the dose in our geriatric patients because they're definitely more prone to some of the adverse drug reactions. Getting into those adverse drug reactions, understanding the mechanism, basically potentiating the effects of GABA, which again is kind of that inhibitory neurotransmitter, sedation, slowing down that CNS uh, activity. So sedation, cognitive slowing, confusion, uh, slurred speech can happen. Certainly it's going to increase the risk for falls. Uh, and, you know, ataxia, maybe a little bit of shuffling uh, if patients are, are moving slower that way. Uh, rare cases, I, I have seen it um, cause almost a disinhibition. And in a lot of ways, uh, clonazepam and other benzodiazepines uh, have similar effects to alcohol in, in many uh, capacities there. So, that's a good way to remember it. I mean, it's not a total uh, overlapping uh, mechanism there, but uh, if you think of alcohol toxicity, you'll definitely see a lot of uh, similarities with benzodiazepine toxicity in the sedation, fall risk, cognitive impairment, slurred speech. Uh, a lot of those go with both alcohol uh, and benzodiazepines. All right, addiction and dependence. I would uh, definitely want to mention that as well. It is a controlled substance, so we certainly run that risk as well with clonazepam. From a pharmacokinetic standpoint, clonazepam is an intermediate-acting benzodiazepine, so it's kind of got a middle-of-the-road half-life compared to other agents. Um, lorazepam, probably one of the most commonly used benzodiazepines, that's got a little bit shorter half-life than clonazepam. Uh, diazepam, especially in geriatric patients, can have a really, really long half-life. So that's generally considered a longer-acting benzodiazepine. Clonazepam is kind of in the middle of the road a little bit there. SIP3A4. I'm going to cover this a little bit, uh, obviously how it will affect drug interactions, but SIP3A4 is an important enzyme in breaking down and ultimately shutting off the activity of clonazepam. So that'll be important, certainly. Uh, Urinary elimination. Generally, we don't have to worry about it too much with clonazepam. It is primarily uh, deactivated by metabolic processes. So with that said, renal dosing, you know, we typically don't have to worry about that too much. Uh, one last uh, kinetic property I did want to mention was onset of action. Uh, usually in the range less than an hour for the onset of action, maybe 30 minutes uh, as far as the, the ballpark or when that drug's going to start working. Obviously, like I mentioned before, giving that as an oral medication to somebody who's having an active seizure, not appropriate. A, you can't really give it to somebody who's uh, potentially not conscious um, in that type of thing. And uh, the other aspect of it is when you take a medication orally, typically it doesn't work that quickly. Um, It doesn't work within a couple of minutes. It takes a while uh, to basically get absorbed through the GI tract. So uh, really two big strikes against using that for very, very acute situations, um, particularly in the, the case of seizures there.
All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material like NAPLEX, BCPS, ambulatory care, geriatrics, and many others, go check out meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. We've helped thousands of pharmacists and pharmacy students pass their board exams, and uh, we can help you too as well. So uh, go check that out, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. Uh, in addition, if you're a nurse practitioner, nurse, med student looking for more resources on pharmacology and case studies and drug interactions, uh, tons of different books and other resources uh, at meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. So go check those out. Any purchases there go to directly support this podcast. All right, drug interactions. So first and foremost... With clonazepam, I want to start with CYP3A4. So understanding that CYP3A4 is a primary enzyme that helps break down this drug and essentially deactivate it. If we have enzyme inducers or enzyme inhibitors, that could cause changes in the concentration of the drug. So CYP3A4 inducers, phenytoin, rifampin, carbamazepine, St. John's wort, all these drugs can potentially lower concentrations of clonazepam and essentially lower the activity of clonazepam. Now, inhibitors of CYP3A4, they're blocking that enzyme from working. They're going to cause just the opposite. They're going to cause concentrations of clonazepam to go up. So classic examples I think about there, grapefruit juice, uh, some of the azole antifungals are definitely strong, CYP3A4 inhibitors, diltiazem, verapamil. So there's lots of medications that can inhibit CYP3A4, and it's important to pay attention to that. So let's take a quick classic case example. Say uh, verapamil is started in a patient taking clonazepam. What you would potentially expect, as long as that clonazepam dose stayed the same, would be increased concentration. So you're more likely to run into sedation, slurred speech, confusion, fall risk, uh, all that stuff associated with higher concentrations, and of course the adverse uh, drug reaction profile there. Other drug interactions that need to be mentioned, uh, CNS depressant activity. Okay, going back to the mechanism of action, how this drug works, it's going to cause CNS depression. Now, when we add other drugs, such as diphenhydramine, hydroxyzine, so those are the H1 antagonists, trazodone, uh, antipsychotics like Seroquel particularly, any drug that's sedating is going to have additive effects there. And there's actually a boxed warning with a specific class of drugs, and that would be the opioids. Using benzodiazepines like clonazepam with opioids can increase the risk for overdose, particularly respiratory depression and ultimately death. So that is a huge boxed warning. It's definitely something I've seen come up on board exams and pharmacology exams all the time. When you use a benzo like clonazepam with an opioid like morphine, oxycodone, fentanyl, you name it, uh, there is a significant increased risk of respiratory depression and essentially overdose symptoms from uh, the opioid in combo 
with the benzodiazepine. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. Hopefully, you picked up a few practice pearls. If you enjoyed this episode, found it helpful, please, please do me a huge favor. Leave a rating, review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Uh, Share us with friends, colleagues, students you may be precepting, uh, anyone uh, healthcare-oriented who may benefit from a little pharmacology education. So please, please share this podcast with them. If you want to track me down, suggestions, comments, emails, mededucation101 at gmail.com. I do try to reply uh, to everybody I can. I get quite a few emails, but that's that's great. Uh, it's, it definitely uh, helps me realize that I'm, I'm trying to help a lot of people, and that's a great thing. So again, mededucation101 at gmail.com. Uh, you can track me down on LinkedIn as well. Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP. Uh, nursing students, go check out MedEd 101 Guide to Nursing Pharmacology. Uh, if you're geriatric related, if that's your field of study, whether you're a physician or a nurse or a pharmacist, Perils of Polypharmacy is one of my newer books. Lots of case studies, clinical pearls um, in there to help you eliminate polypharmacy. So all those links you can find meded101.com slash store. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.